Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bing bong bing. Bing bong bing bong bing. Bing bong, yep. Welcome to Suggestible Pod. He's <laughs> 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 just he's choked on his kombucha. <laughs> he's made the funniest face. It's in my lungs. <laughs> Yeah, like your body did a whole spasm then. You just spasmed. Well, while he's recovering. I've got kombucha lung. He's drinking so much kombucha, guys. It's a worry. But your gut bacteria has never been more diverse. It's healthy as a fox. Anyway, welcome to Suggestible Pod. I'm Claire. James is over there. He's slowly drowning in kombucha and I am freezing. We are podcasting from Melbourne, still in lockdown. Still in lockdown. Day 1047. I think we're in the 2000s now. It's like 2035. Great. Awesome. Um, And it is now decided to be winter again. We got lovely sunny days and now it's freezing. I was and missing I'm cold. winter. We had those two really nice days and I'm like, I wish it was really cold again every day. <laughs> Luckily it is. <laughs> that happened to me. I was like reminiscing, which always happens to me when the seasons change. But turns out, no, I really do prefer the warm weather. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I was wearing comfortable socks. And does anyone else have this problem? I was wearing comfortable socks inside. I had to go outside to our studio. And I didn't want to do... Yeah, does anyone else have that problem? <laughs> when they have to go to their home studio, <laughs> right in. No, I just mean like maybe they have to empty the bins or something. Okay. I've got cosy socks on. You're trying to think of it. What's tired. a common person thing? <laughs> so empty the bin. So uh, pour their sewerage the from a bucket house. into the drain <laughs> on the street. Anyway, all I'm saying is I had to do... Yeah, You don't want to put your shoes with laces on because that's annoying because you're tired. Who wants to do shoelaces on for like a two-minute thing? But you don't really want to wear – I don't have slippers because I don't like them. My feet feel sweaty plus I have skinny feet and they just slide everywhere. <laughs> That's why you wear socks with slippers. You don't wear slippers barefoot. See, That's what no a serial killer house, does. <laughs> no one in my house ever wore slippers so I never really got it. I've never been able to wear slippers ever. You know this about me. I've known you for like a million years. I'm slippers McGee, mate. Yeah, that's all you wear. You barely ever wear regular shoes. You only ever wear slippers because you barely ever leave the house. Shoes are for Anyway, wages. maybe I should get some slippers. However, that was not my problem. I don't have any. So I instead wore thongs, but I was thongs wearing cozy and socks. socks and so I couldn't get the right thing, the little toe bit, uh, sandals for anyone overseas, not Sexy thongs on my bot bot, but like on my feet. Bot bot is so sexy. I didn't put on some sexy sexy thongs to podcast. It's not a visual medium. Anyway, this is a boring story. I had to shuffle my way out here in socks and thongs and it was a time. But I made it and we're here. Wait, that's that's it? That's your story? (laughs) That was my story. You don't want to be – didn't they get wet? Wasn't that the end of your story? Yeah, but no, it was more just the annoyance and I wonder if other people also have that annoyance. Yeah, write in with that really specific and boring story. (laughs) If you've experienced something so dull that you want to inflict on others. It's a regular thing that annoys me a lot because I have to leave the house but I'm always wearing socks. You've got to read the environment, Claire. If you look out and the the ground is wet, you've got to match your environment to that. Yeah, I know, but I don't always want to have to put – 
full-on shoes on. Well, take the socks off and just wear the thongs. And then when you come down, you yeah, put the socks I, back. See, this is what I'm, saying. I'm not even would... doing this. Just what do you, what's your thing? What's that, your thing? Wrong. All right. No, you go first. Jen okay. So first. we. I've already watched all of this, but you started to watch it. It's called Des. It's oh, a gosh. three-part miniseries written by Luke Neal and Kelly Jones, but it's all directed by Lewis Arnold. It stars David Tennant as Dennis Miller, serial killer. From Ooh. the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Here's a quick question. Mm. David Tennant, lovely Scottish man, yes. seems kind and great. Yes. Ha- is it hard watching him play someone so terrible, like as a human being? No. I can I, I can tell. He's a good enough actor where I, I can detach yeah. that. He is brilliant, actually, because he played that criminal in that show Criminal so UK where he was interviewed for an interview. I swear I talked about this, mate. Have I talked about this on this show? Yes, I'm sure you have. I went through this in the notes. Yes, I, actually I have talked about it. Oh, okay, but I, I recommended about it? it. No, no, you oh, Des, yeah, No, we talked about Criminal UK yeah, where yeah, David no, Tennant is Dez. a criminal on that. We have not talked about Des. Okay, because if I watch something, I have to talk about it. That's like that's, that's the that's rule, the basis of my life now. All right, but anyway, so it's all, and also says Daniel Mays, who's the cop who catches him, and he catches him in like the loosest of terms. Because he seems to go out of his way to get caught intentionally. He's got all these human mar- remains in his apartment and backyard, mm-hmm. and some get into the drain. So he can complain. So he complains to the landlord about it. The landlord finds the human remains and calls the cops, and that's how he gets sprung. So it seems like he did this on purpose to get some recognition for the things that, for his crimes. And the number of people that he uh, did murder is is in dispute still to this day. He's dead, thank fuck, by the this guy. He died a couple of years ago. But um, not David Tennant. Don't panic. No, no, I'm talking about this guy, Dennis. Right. Uh, what's his name? Dennis Niels. Here's the thing about these guys: they're serial killers. <laughs> it's funny how they they always seem like they're very important and they want to get their name out there. But these guys are fu- they're fucking dime a dozen. They've all got a show. And they're all like, do you know what I mean? They're all like. The same kind of guy, like looking for attention, and then you know they love manipulating the media, and you know what I mean. I'm and, not sure how how much I'm loving the idea that serial killers are a dime a dozen. Yeah, they're a dime a dozen, mate. I'm just saying, where's <laughs> the creativity? That. You know what I mean? Where's the serial killers who kill people and and, just, right. and just shut their mouths? Well, I guess you don't know, do you? Because <laughs> they're so good at it. So what you're saying is, if you're a serial killer out there, get more creative, get more interesting, yeah, get st- a better haircut. Stay away from me, obviously. Let's- it's always with the bad haircuts as well. <laughs> always with the bad haircuts. I did listen to a podcast recently. Annabelle Crabb was talking about it on my other favorite podcast, Chat Ten Looks Three, mm. and she was saying that actually serial killers are on the decline because of technology. Yeah. Because everybody is tracked all of the time. Yeah, that's right. So it's and much DNA hard. evidence and yeah, yeah. he's so skillful. Because in like the yeah. in like the seventies or the eighties, where this was, just you'd find like, and this was more the start of like more forensic investigation mm. that's kind of kicked in. I don't think they talk about DNA in this yet. I think mm. it's before that. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. And and they've kind of there's also been the theory that serial killers have become mass shooters. Because that's the way that you get attention. You try and kill as many people as you can. This is a cheerful. Yeah. That's a theory. Subject. I don't know whether that's drive. I don't even know who said that. Maybe it was Nick Mason. But uh, that's yeah. That's something that um, I'm. I'm. I hope that you have tuned in to our program for some. Don't worry. Lovely, Claire's cheerful... got even grimmer things to talk about. Don't no. even worry about that. But what really like and it's kind of annoys me about this guy, and I'm glad he's dead. Is like the oh, mock God. the mock outrage that he has over the scenarios because what he did, he'd lure men to his house, often gay, but not always, and then he'd murder them. Right. That was that was kind of his thing. Mm. And then he'd kind of pretend, or it seemed like he pretends to like not know who's who or how many there is or what their names are, or specific circumstances. 
cancer. So he'd, he'd drag this out and there'd be this like mock outrage of like, you know, he wants to find out who they are just as much as anybody. And look, I feel bad, but you know, the media's really blown this out of proportion and all this kind of shit. And it's really infuriating that this guy is, you know what I mean? He's, he's acting so like indignant about this horrible thing that he did. You know yeah, what I mean? He's almost yeah. like offended when people ask him like specific yeah. questions about about his crimes. Anyway, like I said, he's dead and good. So he, yeah, he died in 2018. Oh, good. All right. And so this show, particular show, Des, is on Netflix, Stan? On Stan. Stan, yeah. On Stan. And the good thing is as well, like it's it's only three episodes. So a lot of these things are like, you know, there'll be like 10 or a couple of seasons or whatever, but this is like three and it's it's done. And David Tennant, you can't go wrong with it. Yeah, he's pretty bloody awesome. I like him. I liked uh, his Doctor Who, if anybody remembers. He was Doctor Who. That was my favourite Doctor Who. For five years oh, and then a revival thing. I and remember. some audio dramas, probably some video games. He's been around the bush, man. <laughs> I'm loving his podcast. I'm, David Tennant does a podcast with. He actually does a podcast with Elizabeth Moss this week. Oh, okay. Interesting. Haven't listened to it yet. I'm looking forward to that. Scientologist for some reason. I know. Interesting. I know. Interesting human Disappointing. being. Disappointing. I know, but then I should also, listen to that to be like, what's yeah. up with you and that? But also, kind of fascinating because she was a child actor as well, wasn't she? Yeah. What was she in? I don't know. Like as a child, I know she was Mad Men. Was like, yeah, did, was sort of her she in Sopranos role. or something like that? I can't remember. I've never I seen Sopranos. So. Um, I'm not yeah. sure either. Did you like Invisible Man? Uh, I did actually. Yeah, I did enjoy that, and I don't. I don't like horror. No, but um, I thought you might like that one. Yeah, because yeah. it wasn't too graphic. Yeah. I can't really handle like gore and graphic details like that. But I quite like a psychological thriller if I'm in the mood. Oh, my God. She's in Suburban Commando, the Hulk Hogan action movie from 1991 <laughs> that I saw uh-huh. in the cinemas. So you did see Elizabeth Moss in that. Apparently well, there so, you go. Yeah. Well, she talks to David Tennant on a podcast this week. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. But David Tennant is just great in lots of things. He's a chameleon. He's really great in Broadchurch as a detective. Mason and was it, recently talking about it. He's in both series. He's in the he, U- US series as well. He is, yeah. Did you see the US season? Because we um, were talking about it. No, I haven't seen that. On my no. most successful podcast at Weekly Planet. Oh, here he goes. Yeah. No, I haven't mm. watched that yet. And you watched both for film. some reason. <laughs> Sorry? You watched oh. both for some reason. Yeah, I know, I'm not, I know that The Office did it really well. Oh, my God. Elizabeth remakes, Moss is in but... Animaniacs. <laughs> All right, we've fallen That's down crazy. Elizabeth Moss rabbit Oh, the hole. West Wing. She was in the West Wing. <gasps> That's that where I, I remember of. her from. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, which the West Wing, loved the West Wing, tried to rewatch it. The first season is very problematic. Bit bravo, mate. It's just the women in it treat us so appallingly. And CJ, who Maybe it's just talk- reflecting real life, Claire. Maybe it's an accurate representation. No, all the women, all they, they're they there to kind of facilitate the men to explain everything to them. The character of Donna literally just always goes, excuse me, can you explain to me this really complex thing about policy? And then Even the male. somehow in this, <laughs> in this high-flyer <laughs> political position. Yeah. Correct, in the White House. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are still lots of great things about the West Wing. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Also, it's very optimistic <laughs> for the kind of presidency that the US yeah. could be having. Anyway, however, and CJ, who I thought was a kick-ass character, and you know her character arc, it is cool. However, she's mainly she's basically sexually harassed for the first season and kind of unsure of herself, even though you know she's in a very important position. Anyway, that's a West Wing rant for you. Great stuff. My turn. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've been so excited to read this book. I had it pre-ordered on my Kindle, all ready to go because I can't get to a bookshop. It's called The Survivors by Jane Harper. If you have not read The Dry, which is her first crime novel. You've talked about I've talked about these a thousand times. And it's one of the books that people often talk to me about that I recommended and say thank you for recommending that because it is just. Thank you, Claire. You've changed my life. The New York Times bestseller, all the things. 
just a, it's a ripping great yarn. But she's done three books since, all of which I've enjoyed. The Dry, I think, was the best. Mm. And her new book is The Survivors. What I love about Jane Harper is that the setting and the scenery in her novels almost are a character in their into their own self, if that makes sense. In their own. In their own right. Uh, is that what I'm trying they, to say? Yeah. So she really. Uh, it's almost like the setting goes. All right. of the book is an expansion. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like guys, uh, you know that in some a- m- movies it's like the world itself <laughs> plays right. a part. It's like people say that about New York City. Yeah, I'm hearing They're like, it. If you've, <laughs> Sex you've got a show city. with like Sex and the City or like a movie, like <laughs> the I city love New is York. a character. The city is a character. You might yeah. say like cast in order of appearance. Up top all should, right, be, all should right. be NYC. Yeah, okay. I know what I said was NYC in a big heart. I know it was snap. <laughs> Shut up. I'm right in this instance though. But the way she writes about landscape is really incredible. So she's like the hills. Um, they looked they were fucking great. There's some good hills, man. The yeah. grass was all right. long it's but clear not too long. That James hasn't read a novel since 2002. And I've that's read a okay. novel. Really? Yeah. When was the last time you read a novel? I don't know, summer maybe? Maybe. You usually read one novel each summer. Possibly. Correct. Usually Ian McEwan because he's your favourite author. I'm Ian McEwan. And then when you're is. reading it, you're like, I should read a novel more often. Or The Boy Swallows Universe by Trent I Dalton. know. I read The Prestige. When? Like about a month ago? Yeah. For, for Garbage? Because, yeah, exactly, for work based on the movie. Let's not movie. pretend that you're not reading books to impress people <laughs> on this podcast, Claire. No, I've always been reading books, my always friend. Always been reading anyway, books. Anyway, I love it. So The Survivors by Jane Harper. This time this novel is set in a Tasmanian beachside town. Tassie is just a beautiful place to visit in Australia. It's a state that's off the mainland, its own island. It's pretty chilly but it's just like the scenery there is incredible. So the story goes like this. Kieran Elliott's life changed forever on the day a reckless mistake led to devastating consequences when his brother was killed trying to save his life as he was hiding out in a cave. Oh, no. Um, you find that out quite quickly. What do you, why was he hiding in a cave? Uh, well, he was making it with a girl in, um, in a cave and then the storm hit. And his, his brother small was like, town. you stay in here and make out with the girl. I'll <laughs> hold the storm off. <laughs> anyway, the guilt that still haunts him um, and he leaves the town and then it resurfaces during a visit with his young family to the community he once called home. Kieran's parents are struggling in a town where fortunes are forged by the sea and between them all is his absent brother, Finn. So mm. Finn is the guy who died. When a body's discovered on the beach, long-held secrets threaten to emerge. Like what? A sunken wreck, a missing girl and questions that had never been washed away. Oh, my goodness. Claire. I know. It's actually, just like all her novels, deliciously unputdownable. Things just kind of start to, there's more and more secrets and layers. It's like a lasagna. This book. Is it and like that's a lasagna, kind of like each of her novels. Like they a proper kind of, lasagna? Or they las- start off with, you know, usually it's someone with a, um, a, a terrible past or something that's happened and they're returning to their hometown. That was kind of a similar premise to The Dry. And then it starts with one crime but then it's quite clear that in a small town like this there are other crimes that start to resurface and people tend to have quite a few secrets. That you and people are like, actually there's more than one crime. <laughs> Correct. And, and, and let me you guess, never her quite thing, know her thing is connected. Her thing is connected to a bigger thing and she's like, I wasn't even solely responsible. <laughs> well, we'll just wait and see. Anyway, I would highly recommend it. I've 
really. I got to read some it. of her books because you've done. You've said nothing but glowing reviews. They're just really great, well-written crime novels, and I love a crime novel. So there you go. All right, your turn. Cool, man. This is an old movie. It's from 1995. It's Ooh, called the... from the olden times. Ooh, Twilly. Oh, look at me on my penny farthing <laughs> on the way to the shoe shine store. <laughs> look at me smoking a pipe while sitting on a veranda, rocking on a rocking chair while knitting a sock because there are no shops. <laughs> Oh, my God, it's pretty That's much now. 2020. You've described 2020. <laughs> oh, Except boom. I'm not knitting, I'm making a puzzle. Okay, one quick side note. Uh, I have, so I've got into puzzles. Yeah. Okay, massively. If people have been following your Instagram, it's Correct. Puzzle City, mate. It's Puzzle City. I didn't think I'd like them. I mocked everyone who got into puzzles, my mum included, poor my mum. Yep. She was really obsessed. I thought, how couldn't be that great? I loved it. The only thing was I finished this bloody 1,000-piece puzzle. Very satisfying. Looks great. Suddenly realize, what the hell do you do with it at the end? Put it back in the box. You just put it back in the box. It's like those people, you know, like the uh, like the monks <laughs> or whatever, and they make like those beautiful like sand, yeah. coloured sand like patterns, but then like it's temporary and they th- put a rake through it. And people are like, what are you, what a waste of, all right, you want to take a picture? <laughs> <laughs> no, but James, it's time. Yeah, Everything it. is temporary. I know, it's a anyway, yeah, so I realised that unlike knitting and other things and cooking where you can't get something at the end of it, you just put the puzzle back in the box. Well, like food is temporary. You know, you eat it, it's gone. So I guess there's that yeah, similarity. Put a big rake through your food when you... <laughs> that's what I do. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, so this is a movie from 1995. It's called The Quick and the Dead. It's a Western. Are you familiar with this movie? The Quick and the Dead? Yeah. No, but, it just came to uh, Netflix. Mason and I ju- come and make a joke. You better be quick or you'll be dead. Very good, great stuff. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I can see your eyes like spinning wildly as you thought of like a joke. Uh, so anyway, it's directed by Sam Raimi, who made the Evil Dead movies and also the Spider-Man movies, the Tobey Maguire ones, right? So it's about this gunslinger who comes into town for this for this competition, right? You win a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars in the year olden day, so it's like worth millions of dollars now, right? While everyone's in knitting socks and riding no, Claire. So it's this small town, right? And it's run by this dude, run by Gene Hackman, who's like oh. he, he, he controls everything. But this gunslinger who comes back into town for re- revenge. Uh, excuse me, what is a gunslinger? Someone who's just slinging guns, mate. They're shooting guns. <laughs> I thought, like, on a slingshot? No, Claire. Like, getting a gun, putting it in a slingshot. No. And, like, slinging it at people? Claire. Sling. It's not like that at all. Like that? No. Anyway, no. but the, no. the lead gunslinger who would normally be, like, you know, your Clint Eastwoods or someone, like, to, you know, Chris Pratt more recently in The Magnificent Seven than you one, right? What are you doing? I'm looking up what the name for the sand pattern thing that you were talking who about was. Who gives a shit? Mandela. That's what it is. Great. I love those. I got really obsessed with them. I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have one above our bed. Made they of sand? symbolise the universe. No, it's a print of one. Terrific. Fantastic. And it was really irritating me because I love reading about them and I love watching them being made and I couldn't remember what they were called. It's called a Mandela. Great. Terrific. Can I continue talking about this much more interesting thing? So anyway, but the gunslinger in this, again, normally it's like your Clint Eastwood types or somebody like that. The lead in this is Sharon Stone. <gasps> 
love Sharon Stone. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you follow her on Instagram, she's bloody badass and political. Cool, and I love awesome. It. I'm really here. You're for there it. for it. So, like, you know, in the '90s, she was doing like Basic Instinct and things like that. You know what I mean? She was, you know, this is the height of her power. So she's playing this, this, you know, this female gunslinger, which was unusual for like movies, but it was also unusual, obviously, for the time. But the cast in this is also insane. Russell Crowe, Leonardo DiCaprio, what? Lance Hendrickson, Ooh. David, uh, Keith, I da- who that is. <laughs> Keith David, like it's insane. Like it's, it's on Gary Sinise. It's okay, this. I, what, you keep yelling them. I don't know who they you are. Know, he's, he's Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Oh Blair. yeah. I know. And it's just this, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally like a film about 20 gunfights, like yeah. in a row. But it's like, it's amazing. Like, it's really good. And it got kind of middling reviews at the time. And people don't really talk about it. But it's just a, it's like an unusual Western. It's shot in a really like a dynamic way because Sam Raimi has very particular like style and camera moves and, and like the like zooms and things like that. And young Russell Crowe, I'm here for it, mate. He's looking great. He's looking great. And the gunfighting in this as well is, is terrific. They're all like, they're all different. They're all like done in different ways. And if you want to see like, 20-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio, like in a cowboy hat, shooting people with guns. You're going to bloody love it, mate. Oh, mate, I was I was peak into yeah. Leo. This is this is your era of Leonardo DiCaprio, trust Ooh, me. Let yeah. me put him on a cracker and eat him for breakfast. <laughs> Delicious. Even now? <laughs> no, not now. When I look back, you're too old. So young. All these girlfriends are 22 or oh, whatever. Oh, man, that's why. If I was young, I would have been in there. And better looking, obviously. Yeah, no, but also what's really interesting is I don't don't find him that attractive when I look back at no, him in those films. No, because he's a child. Yeah, but there is a phenomenon, right, which I only heard about recently, that often teenage girls will go for quite boyish-looking boys yeah. like because they're not intimidating. They're, like, safe and... Yeah, they're safe yeah. And, and Safe wholesome. and soft and... Yeah, exactly, and they look, they're, yeah, just not intimidating because men can be a little yeah. scary. Yeah, and you look at, like, the people who are popular on, on TikTok or whatever, like the e-boys they call them. Oh, they're God. all that kind I'm of so look. Old. But it's like that parted hair and, like, like weight thin. Yeah, like a little mean? effeminate. Yeah. Because I was really into Hanson for a while as well. Hanson are cool, man. And I must Straight say, up. obviously, this is... <laughs> I'm I'm talking about teenage girls who who are um cis and into you know of course obviously boys. yeah yeah it's a hetero this is quite a but then again you know, it's a spectrum you know what I mean and anyone on the spectrum you might be like young Leonardo DiCaprio hello I you know, know what I mean correct exactly yeah. anyway I did see some bits of this and it does look bloody cool you should watch Quick and the Dead man I think you'd be into it all For right reals. not that into westerns though you love westerns no. you tried to get me to watch the sunshine boys no, no. i'm a cowboy no. Butch shoot, shoot. Sunshine, no, no. yeah and i just wasn't like into it i love that movie but you i think you will like this especially okay. if you like sharon stone she's like 37 you know what i mean she's just bloody she's bloody crushing it mate she's really good in it um, all right i do love i do love a sharon stone cool you got another recommendation first i just wanted to tell you more about the mandelas don't give a shit <laughs> put it on don'tgiveashit.com well in sanskrit it literally means circle it's a geometric configuration wow. of symbols in yeah, various spiritual traditions mandelas okay. may be employed for focusing attention and predictions and adepts yeah, right. as a spiritual guidance tool for establishing a sacred space and as an aid to meditation yep, right. and trans okay. induction oh yeah right in the eastern religions of oh, hinduism buddhism really? jainism and shintoism it is used as a map representing deities yeah, or space Especially in the case of Shintoism, paradises, kami, or actual shrines. so accurate. I yes, agree. and it's it's um it sort of represents yeah. the cosmos <laughs> metaphysically and symbolically. Yeah, I know. It's meant it is, to represent wholeness. Oh, and is it? Okay. Anyway, I find them really calming. Yeah, me too. I really like them. Anyway, so I have one in our bedroom, and I think it gives them. I had no idea, and, and I'll tell you this much. Of us being connected to I'm everything. Smash that. All right. Anyway, can I go? 
You say I'm gonna, you're going to smash it. No, I said I'm going to buy a dream catcher because I'm into this shit. I love it. No, Mandela isn't a dream catcher. Would you like I'm me saying to I want a different dream thing. Catchers? I want a different thing. The movie this is Dream why Catcher. You're so stressed. I think you need to look I'm more so stressed. At you come on here all like, oh, calm and zen. But in the house, you run around like a mad woman, mate. <laughs> if one of us is stressed, it's you. No, I was just whipping up pasta tonight, very in a fury. All right, I've got my next recommendation. Go, what do you got? This is why I was in a bit of a furious mood today. Oh. It was probably not a good idea. I had a lot of existential dread. Did you watching watch Fast this and thing. Furious, Claire? No, <laughs> I have I'm PMSing plus I also oh, watched gross, this documentary. Claire, at come the same on, children listen time. to the show. Go no, on. Sorry. It was a bad combination. Or was it? Anyway. Mm. So I've watched David Attenborough's new documentary, A Life on Our Planet. Full disclaimer, if you're finding climate change and life really hard at the moment, this may not be the segment for you to listen to. Feel free to skip over. Or listen to it. Correct. Okay. Oh, boy. So it is such a brilliant documentary for a lot of reasons. I think it really shakes you up out of the fog, out of the idea that climate change, somewhere in the in our subconscious we've been planted the idea that possibly climate change, oh, I don't know, maybe and maybe it's not so bad, maybe it's okay, la, la, la. Like, and, I, and I think that, that that murkiness is what is causing yeah. so many problems and it's deliberately put a there A lot of the counter science or really people funding who did these things. Correct. It started off as like it's not true and now it's like, well, actually it's good or not as bad as you think or whatever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. all of that stuff. And mm. it's it's to murky the waters to keep us distracted. Anyway, David Attenborough has had the most incredible life. This documentary um, spans his lifetime really, his 60-year career as a naturalist and begins when he's a boy in Britain and there's sort of, you know, black and white footage of him or, you know, um, a boy playing him in shorts. He's so um, young. It begins in Chernobyl, which is really interesting too, which I'd recommend going to watch that TV show actually in Chernobyl about the nuclear disaster. And it begins there. So at the time when the um, nuclear explosion happened in Chernobyl, everyone was evacuated and that was 30 years ago. And so now the buildings are just completely empty. Everything is was kind of just abandoned because no one could live there because of the nuclear fallout or whatever. So yeah. he goes back show, in there. Ocean. Yeah. yeah. It's really excellent, but it's kind of quite haunting to begin mm. it there. His basic, the basic premise, I guess, is that life has taken over there completely. So it's been rewilded, which is a term he uses throughout the film, meaning that the forest has taken over. And so he talks about how if we don't do something about climate change, that's the future for us, really. Um, mm. He looks at the loss of biodiversity across his career and he's calling it his witness statement. It's kind of, he's 94 now. There's footage, archive footage of him from, you know, the 1960s and yeah. 70s when he first goes out to start looking at the planet. And what hits home very swiftly is just how recent all of this is. So, you know, before then, so in his, he went from no one in, say, a town like we're living in ever seeing anything to do with the with wilderness because no one could travel there. He experienced the first kind of adventure into plane flight. Right. So, okay. you know, in his lifetime he's also seen, um, you know, the first mission into space so that he, he was there watching when the first images of Earth that anyone had ever seen from space mm. were kind of piped in. And when you think about it from that perspective, you can see just how – recent all of this is and he talks about how old the earth is and how every, you know, I'm going to get these facts wrong, but every sort of, you know, say like 50 million years or whatever, there'll be a mass extinction. 
So yeah. there's been five mass extinctions um, that's on record spanning the Earth's lifetime. Yeah. And so I found that fact really interesting in the first place. And the most recent one was the dinosaurs, which they think happened because a meteor landed on Earth and changed the climate so dramatically. And what he said from that is, and you can track it in the rock and in the fossils, which is where he first discovered his love of um, looking at wildlife. Look at this rock. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's so fascinating, Dave Banana because when you're watching him as a person, you realise just how special his ability is to mm. really bring us so into focus with the natural world. Anyway, what I found really interesting was looking at each of these mass extinctions and I hadn't really thought about it before, but basically life had spent millennia developing and developing and developing and evolving and evolving and evolving and evolving into this incredible biodiversity and then a mass extinction happens and boom, it's all gone Yeah, and the earth then has to rebuild itself again, which it does. And so since the dinosaurs became extinct, the earth has been rebuilding and rebuilding and flourishing and flourishing and we've experienced over the last 10 million years this this kind of, he called it the Garden of Eden or this almost like Goldilocks time yeah. in the in the earth's weather patterns and stability. So we've just, we've humans have been able to flourish in this time in the earth where the temperatures, the seasons, the weather, the climate itself has been really stable. And so we've been able to track the seasons really carefully and clearly. They've been really predictable. So they've allowed us to flourish and then yeah, enabled us. You can expand us, obviously when, yeah. you know, when you can predict. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also allowed this incredible amount of biodiversity to, mm. to grow. And so when you see the footage in the film, it just blows you away and reminds you yet again of just how incredible our planet is. And then how unique it is and how vulnerable we are as this blue orb kind of floating in space. And then kind of heartbreakingly what he looks at are the numbers and the decrease in the amount of wild wilderness basically globally since he started looking at it in 1960-ish. Does he revisit some places that he's... Uh, it's not before, really or? that. Yeah, he does look at archive footage and then yeah. goes back. He does talk about how he will have gone back to a place that he visited in the 1970s and it no longer looks the same, that there's just incredible loss of animal life. And these numbers kind of keep flicking up. So he breaks it down into the year that he was obviously looking this particular at the planet and then the population. So when he started, the population of the world the, of human beings was like 2.3 million um, or 2.3 billion, yeah, sorry. And, now it's and 66% of the world's wilderness remained when mm. he started. That was in 1937 when he was 11 years old. It's crazy. Um, He's so old. Yeah, I know. Today, however, the world's population has almost more than, has more than tripled. So what are we, 7 billion people now? Yeah, about that. The wilderness has shrunk to 35%, uh, dropped more than half. Yeah. And carbon dioxide in the, in the atmosphere has shot through the roof. Yeah, of course. And you can see that over time. And as through his career, you can he kind of says he was out there, he thought, discovering all these unknown places that no one had ever seen before and no one had ever certainly seen in the way that he was able to film and he was kind of discovering wilderness. And what he's now reflecting on is that, as he was, as it was there, it wasn't untouched. Creatures were already being lost. Species were yeah. already being lost as he was watching and he's watched in real time as the places that he has loved and, and has seen just incredible 
creatures and had experiences with orangutans and, you know, all these different types of um, even the ice sheets and, you know, the Arctic yeah. and the Antarctica and uh, he has these terrifying kind of images of just how much ice has been lost in those places. He also said something which I didn't hadn't realised before, that the ocean had been absorbing the heat. So for a while everything seemed like it was fine, even though we'd been, you know, polluting the air with fossil yeah. fuels and increased carbon dioxide because the ocean was just absorbing all that excess heat. Doesn't that affect the ocean adversely? Yeah, but now the ocean is rising, seas are rising, yeah. the temperature's rising. And so for a while it appeared that it was fine, but now obviously the uh, the oceans are rising to a point and the ice the ice has started yeah. to melt, which in turn has it has kind of created this heating effect anyway that we're seeing. Here's a question for you. I mean, you want to still... More things? There's one more thing. Okay, yeah, you go. That kind of blew me away. Did you know that humans and our domesticated cows, chickens and other animals that we eat account for 96% of the Earth's mammals by weight now? Yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't know that but. That's insane. Yeah. So what he said is we've moved from a planet of wilderness to a planet run entirely by humans for human need. Yeah. How what we've failed to recognise is that we actually completely and utterly reliant on this planet to thrive and survive. Mm. The planet will be fine yeah. if there's a mass It'll extinction. It'll just shed us. It will, yeah. like it has every time over the la- over millennia, mm. and eventually, just like in Chernobyl, it will rewild. But um, he kind of so it start. He really does look angry at some points Mm. in this and really devastated and it is devastating to watch. But he does end with some really positive notes, which I thought was... I was going to say, what can we do? Yeah, exactly. What are we doing? Exactly. Because what's the point of just watching something, feeling depressed and then being like, oh, I can't do anything about it. Can someone go get me a Kit Kat from the servo? Oh, my God, I love a Kit Kat. (laughs) Or something, you know. And so he does end the last half an hour of the film with really practical strategies, which I'm sure have been said before, but... The way he says things just has so much weight. So his proposal is that we need to rewild the earth. Um, and we and that initially sounds like quite a dramatic thing to do. But he said the first step is to rewild the oceans. Okay. Because the oceans are places where we've massively overfished. And by overfishing, particularly large fish, we then are destroying ecosystems. Because for a long time he said in the 1970s and Beyond, it seemed insane that human beings could change the natural world at all. Like mm. it was so vast and complex. How could yeah. we possibly? And people have are still any saying that now. They're like, it's pretty arrogant yeah. to think that we could destroy. Yeah. Whereas he said mm. it's absolutely possible. And if not, you know, it happened already. Yeah. It has happened already. He said even large, complex ecosystems like the entire world's ocean, we've managed to, you know, basically destroy. Gosh, yeah. I just got to put a dummy in. I oh. can see it's out. So, what did you ask me? What we can, can we do? Yeah. What are we doing? All right, so he said a couple of things. The first thing that I thought was really important that I remembered from when we looked at all of this too, um, educating girls, educating, agitating, educating girls. Agitating. Um, Yeah, and by that, um, educating girls actually stabilises the population growth of human beings across the world um, and raises everyone's living conditions. So that's one of the first things that he said we can do is to slow our population growth because every other creature on earth has a finite 
kind of ceiling for their population that yes. from conditions and We talked about that when we resources. did that charity campaign where it brings up communities and you know, obviously you've got a more autonomy if you're more educated and you know, yeah. those kinds of things, yeah. Exactly. So that's the first step. The second one is to rewild the oceans, which I thought was so interesting, sounds really hard. He said actually not as hard as you think. It's about sectioning off portions of the ocean, a third of the world's ocean that um, ha- are as no fishing zones. Okay. And they've done this in, in small scales around yeah, different islands um, and in different areas. Basically, you just create an area that's a no fish zone. Yeah, like a sanctuary. Yeah, a sanctuary, yeah. exactly. And so you create massive na- swathes of national parks in the ocean. How does that affect... Like business. I'd imagine there'd be people lobbying against that. Yeah. So what he said was and what they found on a small scale is that over time, once the fish populations are allowed to regenerate, you actually have more than enough fish Yeah. overall across the ocean that to make sense. fishing sustainable. At the moment we're fishing to the point where there are yeah, less and less fish. Yeah, absolutely. So over time it actually improves outlook for business and for us as well as a, as a food source. He said divest from fossil fuels, which is obviously such a huge one, and convert our energy sources to renewables. He said completely, 100%, no burning of fossil fuels. And fossil fuels are literally just, you know, fossilised animals, plants that have stayed Mm. in the ground for millennia and we're just burning through them in order to to create electricity. When you think about it, it's kind of dumb. It is kind of dumb because it's a totally finite resource, whereas he said, you know, the natural world for millennia has been powered completely by the sun. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, and there's lots of examples of that. The technology is there somewhere you can like donate and things like that? Is there any um, mention of that? Hasn't started that yet. Okay. So the first thing was the film. He said, "Go vegetarian" is another thing. Yeah. Because obviously, cattle, chickens, all that stuff have a huge impact. I know people are like, but sometimes vegans and vegetarians actually waste whatever. I, that's apparently like I'm sure there's different schools of thought. That's not true. And your cousin talked about this. The amount of water that you save by going vegan or vegetarian is like astronomical. Mm. I can't remember what he said the number. It might have been 80,000 litres a year. That sounds too much. Yeah. I don't know. Even if – and I, always, I often think about it like not necessarily going completely vegetarian but reducing the totally. amount of meat. Totally. Doing like a couple of, you know, half your, your day's meat free or whatever in a week. Yeah. Something like, I saw a thing that was – I think it might have been like a Joe Rogan clip where he's like, what's the point? You know, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But to me that's like – well, just fucking litter. If it's one piece of litter, just throw it on the ground. So that guy just just push him over. Because who cares? It's like one guy. Who gives a shit, right? But these little things, they add up. It's like voting like we were talking about last mm. week. All these little things make a difference. These changes need to happen on a bigger scale with corporations and things like that, but there are things that people can do. Also just yell at corporations about all the shit that they're doing. Yeah. No, that's seriously, and I often think that like the little guy just us composting our veggie scraps and stuff isn't going to change anything. And in a way, that's right. But what really does change things is protesting, is lobbying and and changing our spending habits and particularly, you know, our eating habits. Absolutely. Is making a difference. You can see plant-based foods in our supermarkets have started yeah, to grow more Yeah, they are. You've seen them, yeah. You know, so. And there's some good ones too. Like it's not all. Yeah. And corporations will listen to us if we're not spending with them. And the other one is to change how we grow our food. At the moment, big ag is just destroying the soil and so we need to look at the way we change to grow our food. And there's a lot of uh, countries and they look at this in the documentary who are growing food in completely different ways, even indoors, in cities, um, and just we need to stop. they're looking at like genetically grown meat and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know like I don't know the sustainability behind that. No, um, but this is they're just growing fruit and vegetables yeah, 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 but yeah. in kind of greenhouses yep. and in stackable 
um, sort of shelving. I know we've talked about also like a lot of farming is now, what's that? Not called permaculture. Regenerative, regenerative farming. Regenerative yeah. farming. Where yeah. basically you grow something else in the off season and that kind of refertilizes the soil. And people yeah. also now are using that to grow like a separate, like a different crop. So yeah. they'll sell corn and I don't know, hemp. I don't fucking know. I don't think about farming. But like, <laughs> but, and you know, that's, and that's been working for people. Yeah. You know what and I, mean? I think regenerative farming is also about then um, potentially if you're having cattle, say, mm. growing cattle feed and grasses and things alongside the vegetables that you would then be yes. growing or whatever else and regenerating the soil that way. And so that's a whole movement too. The film 2040 we talked about yeah, ages talked about ago that, yeah. we did with our charity our campaign year, yeah. talks about a lot of these different avenues mm. and they also have a lot of initiatives that you can actually go and support at 2040. Yeah, maybe that's and, the thing we can link below. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's something else we can look at. Anyway, it was, I think it starts with us watching this film though and waking up. I know it's hard. I know there's so much going on in the it world. It sucks. I saw you watching it and I'm like, this it's sucks. It's terrifying because he then projects if we don't do something what yeah. the world will look like and it is terrifying. It's no good. So no, that's why I gave a really warning about this. We do and we're, we're – yeah, correct. All right. Anyway, so you start by watching that. And then do something nice for yourself. Take some deep breaths. It's going to be all right. Take some deep breaths, mate. It's going to be all right. Oh, look, if you want to reach the show, you can, obviously. But before we get to that, we've got to do reviews because reviews, they really help the show, don't they, Claire, in a big way. You can do it in your app of choice. You just go in, punch in five stars if you want to really appreciate it. It helps us get us up the charts or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've never literally looked at them, but I know it does help push it out there a bit more. This is from uh, Trulon Rock says, let me tell you about these Aussies, Claire and James. I'm married and they tell you what to read, watch and listen to. It's amazing, simple, charming and funny. These two have an incredible dynamic with genuine and fun conversations happening every week. Do yourself a favour and subscribe, mate, with an eight. You won't regret it. Oh, so nice. It's Trull and Rock. If anything, you rock. No, he's never, never mind. What, what are you going to say? What are you saying? <laughs> All right, I have an email. You can email the show with your suggestible. We always love to get them at suggestiblepod at gmail.com. Um, this is an email from Nicholas Tracy. Thank you so much. I love the tagline of this. I like chocolate chip ice cream. Excuse me. Oh, my goodness. Um, in reference to the fact that I called you chocolate chip ice cream last week because I don't think anyone likes it. Anyway, hey, Greg and the old boot. What just, up? <laughs> Sorry, <girl>. Just felt the <laughs> need to write and say that I like chocolate chip ice cream, but not store-bought so much as homemade-ish. Adding semi-sweet chocolate chips to a quality store-bought vanilla ice cream gives it some crunch. The chips freeze after a bit and the little bits melt in your mouth over time. I also like to melt peanut butter and then drizzle that on top for the same reason. However, if we're talking chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream, that's next level and anyone who doesn't think that tastes good is an insane person. It's also my wife's favourite, so I'm legally obliged to defend it. Also, I'm really enjoying Super Mario 3D All-Stars, even though controls on 64 and Sunshine are an absolute nightmare. Dog shit. Compared to more modern entries such as Galaxy and Odyssey. I've been playing like a level a day with our son. Like he's been like, and he collects the little gems because you can swipe. Oh, is that what you guys have been scrolling yeah. away doing up there? Yeah. And lastly, the debate also made me sad. Our president is a terrible person who needs to get out of office ASAP. Goodness, especially. Been a lot of things happening since we talked about that last week. Yeah, there has been so much. And please vote. Please vote. Good Lord. And don't vote for Trump. Vote for Biden. Get that man out of office. Look, none of us like Joe Biden. We all agree. Well, I like Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking comparatively. Just vote. So just like Nicholas Tracy has, I've already done my part to make that happen by voting for Joe in person. Vote in person and vote early if you can. Yeah. If you can't vote in person, vote early via mail-in ballot. There I is- know they're trying to change some rules and things like that about how you need to have maybe a witness signature if you're voting. I know there's some other things. So look into it before you do Correct. it. Correct, exactly. Yeah. Um, there is, if you need some... 
support in how to vote. I'm sure you don't, but if you do, then there's also some really great resources over at Glennon Doyle's page who I follow. She's Very just good. doing every day a post about how to vote, where to vote, Collins where to sign in. Link it. Correct, exactly. And one interesting thing as well, millennials and young people are going to be some of the biggest deciders in this election. I know, I heard it's like 30% of people or something like that. Yeah, young people and first-time voters. But again, it's like polls polls, polls say a certain thing, but as you know from the last election, polls mean jack shit unless people actually go go out there. You can't get complacent. You can't. And young people, I think that's so exciting because sometimes like with climate change we can feel like we are powerless. We have to live in this shit. Hopefully we still have to we're gonna be here. And I was just here. looking at my baby girl today and I was thinking, I want a world for you that is not doom and gloom. Exactly. And we can create that, but we all have to do it together. And now we sound like some kind of terrible political ad. I don't, I don't give a shit, Claire. I don't want to die. I don't want this planet to die. I don't want this, like, human race to be wiped off the earth. On the whole, there are some, some exceptions, obviously. But, you know, <laughs> I thought you were. If I can't be specific, I'm just saying let's just keep us all alive. You want to be allowed to podcast in your house with your slippers on for eternity. Goddamn right I do, Claire. Anyway, vote. Get out there and vote. The most disappointing thing would be if Trump got re-elected not because people really wanted him in office but mm. because people didn't show up to vote. Yes, I agree. Good Lord. We should go. Uh, thank should. you for that uh, email about cho- – I, so I agree much. with that chocolate ice cream thing because if I do a choc chip, yeah, you're, bre- you're breaking them up in there yourself. I'm with Correct. him on that. I feel like that, however, is not exactly the choc chip I was talking about. That doesn't matter. This guy's got the right idea. No, he knows but what you he's talking about. No, you store bought choc chip ice cream. No thinker. That. Nobody wants it, Claire. <laughs> no, that – buying vanilla ice cream and putting chocolate in it, that's a whole new board game and I am – on for that. Mate, I'll get a vanilla ice cream. I'll break up a violet crumble or a crunchy and I'll go for it, mate. But <laughs> I'm not doing madman. that at the moment. I'm not doing that at the moment. I'm buying, I've got an exercise bike. I'm doing an extra 30 minutes of cardio a day just to keep myself and just every year you just add a different thing you got to do to keep yourself alive. It's great. <laughs> just do, it used to be when you, you know, I could grow up and drink like a bottle of Jim Beam and that would just be what I would do. And that was my when exercise for the day. were you waking up drinking a bottle of Jim Beam? University Claire, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> And now if I drank like any of that, I'd die immediately. My heart would explode. Anyway, we should get out of here. We should. We've been to Jasper Pod. Talk to you on the flip side. Jim Beam is a terrible drink as well. (laughs) We might have been drinking drinking Jim Beam. Who knows what the hell's going to be happening next week. I'd get like a six-pack of Jim Beam and cola. (laughs) Remember those? I used to drink a Jim Beam. I remember. I remember. Cost you like 20 bucks for a six-pack. Yeah. And I could smash that easily and then be like, that's pre-drinks. Then you go out and you drink more. But it's six of that now. Holy shit. <laughs> you would die. I would die. Okay, just one thing. Blessed. I know we have to go. Did you see the video of Trump getting out of a helicopter and then taking off his mask and saluting yes, like I some saw, weird Yes, and then he walked up video? the stairs and took his mask off and he's like wheezing. And look, it will get better because of the treat. This because of the treatment because he's got extra special treatment because he's the fucking president, obviously. And money and resources. Yeah. And that I think is what is the key thing here. He will get better, but that is because he is wealthy and mm. has the best doctors in the world. And he's the president. I want him to get better to get beaten, and I hope it goes in that order. You know what I mean? I don't want him to die. I don't. I genuinely, I don't want him to die. I want him to lose fairly. That's I what do I want. Too. Yeah, I do too. Because just the sheer hypocrisy of saying, "Don't worry, don't be scared of COVID." Yeah, don't be scared of it. And yeah, you probably can't. Don't. You won't be as scared of COVID if you have access to the best Or you don't care about anybody you know will come across. Yeah, exactly, because that's the thing with this illness. It can be completely mild in some people and then devastating in others. And it disproportionately is affecting people without health care and people who 
Halos socioeconomic, people and then people who are elderly, conditions, elderly, yeah. The rate know, of survival, continue, like depending color. on your conditions, is it's it's staggering. Like it's a, there's a huge it is, difference. It's staggering, yeah. yeah. So just because he might recover and seemingly be out there saying that everything is fine, it is absolutely not, and it is terribly dangerous to say that. I mean, we've been in lockdown here for months and months for a very good reason because we love it. <laughs> Well, your life is just a series of unfortunate. The Batman got pushed back. Shazam, oh. Dune, or is it Dune? That got pu- <laughs> that got pushed to next year. That's a joke from my other podcast. Anyway, we really, really gotta go. All right, we got to go. Right, thanks we'll be for editing, Stay safe out there. Love to you guys. Love, bloody love to you all. See ya. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's, it's up to you. 